All right, we've got a special promotion for the faithful listeners of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Here's the deal, Jack. <laughs> We're taking an impact team to Pastor Paul and Deanna Alvarez in Lima, Peru. <laughs> they let us know that they need some equipment. We'd like to give you a chance to help us buy them a new iPad and a new smart TV for their children's church. Our goal is to raise $1,000 for these items, and we think you'd like to help. So here's what we're offering. So here's what we came up with, guys. When you donate $30 or more to this fund, uh, you're going to get a six-month subscription to the premium podcast at no additional cost. And when you donate $50 or more, then we're going to give you a full year. How about that? Yeah. You'll get all the benefits of our premium sermon podcast, which means daily sermons, interruption-free listening, and zero commercials. We'll get new subscribers out of it, and Pastor Alvarez will get some new equipment to help with what God is doing there. Uh, we think it's a win-win-win. <laughs> uh, this promotion will only last until our impact team, which is happening toward the end of June. So don't miss this opportunity. But wait. Pastor Adam, Dave, what if, what if I'm already a premium subscriber? I'm so glad you asked. Well, so we are going to pass to you, those of you who are already paying for a subscription, we can give you a gift subscription that you can pass on to somebody else out there who always wanted to subscribe but never got around to it for whatever reason. Right. So all of the links will be in the show notes. And we look forward to being a blessing to you and to Pastor Paul in the coming weeks. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Hey, Amen. Who's having a great time at this conference this week? Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is good. Tremendous service last night. Tremendous ministry. Great testimonies. I was able to uh, fellowship with Jonathan Lobato afterwards, and I told him I was going to take a shot at him. I said, man, I know you're a man of God. First of all, you had a great testimony. Second of all, when pastor said he needed the pulpit moved, uh, you were the tallest and the strongest and the fastest and went straight for the flowers. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's how you know you're a man of God. You leave discipleship to others. Amen. <laughs> you took the low road, bro. I'm not going to be showing off my muscles. I'm just going to take the flowers and believe God. Praise God. Amen. Pastor uh, Mitchell preached last night that, uh, you know, you shouldn't just preach your opinions and politics. And so I threw away my sermon on the Clintons. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12 this morning. If you have your Bibles, we believe in God this morning to help us. I preached the base of this sermon to my church probably about a month and a half ago. And as I was ministering it, uh, there was just something quickened in my spirit uh, uh, that, that there is, there, I can go in another direction with this sermon. And um, 
Uh, I really uh, felt God leading me to do that this morning. And so I want to show a picture. I want to start off just to kind of set a visual this morning. Praise God. That there is a 105 foot or 105 story high, 1,080 foot tall skyscraper by the name of the Ryungyong Hotel. It sits uh, in North Korea right now. It's an amazing building. You can show the second picture just to kind of help. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit of a different angle there. And this building was planned to have been used for mixed development. It would have included condos. It was going to include restaurants. This thing took billions of dollars to get into effect. Uh, thousands of hours of construction. If you look at this thing, it's magnificent. In fact, uh, way at the top, you can't even see from where you're sitting, but there are restaurants there that they were supposed to be kind of rotating at the top. Uh, people can go to that, eat dinner, lunch up there. Uh, it was just going to be a magnificent uh, piece of construction. They started construction back in 1987, and it was expected to open in 1992. But the problem with this hotel, church, is with all of its potential, all of its gander and beauty, it was never opened. And until today, not one customer or tenant has set foot into that building. And it still stands there in the middle of North Korea showing everybody what could have been but really isn't. They lost money due to the economic downfall of the Soviet Union. It affected their country. And so they had to stop all forms of construction. Now, let me put in a disclaimer. Talking about a construction project, I, it, the inspiration was not our next door neighbor construction project. Uh, let me be the first to say when I found out we weren't going to be there, I was bummed, man. I was hurt. I, if I'm hurt, I know pastor was hurt. But like I told my church, we're not going for the building. We're going for the people. We're going for God. But I want you to consider something this morning. Here stands this monumental building with billions of dollars put in, thousands of hours put in. Uh, and for all the work, all that's ever going to be known of it, or what it's going to be known for, is that it was never finished. In fact, it's even in the Guinness Book of World Records as the tallest, most beautiful, unfinished building in the world. Woe is us if that becomes our church. That at one point it was on its way to completion... And then something got in the way that stopped it. Uh, and yet when people look back at us, uh, they'll say, you know what? They were finishing something. They were on their way to completion. Uh, but something got in the way. And yet they're only a shell of what they should have been uh, or would have become or should have become. Are you with me this morning? 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12. I want to believe God to minister this morning a sermon I've entitled Finished Business. We constantly hear of unfinished business. But this morning I want to. Help our thoughts go in a different direction. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12, the Bible says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror, dimly. But then, we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to assemble in your presence. God, I thank you for this conference body, Lord, those that have made this sacrifice uh, to be here this week. God, I pray that you would reward them in their spirit. Uh, 
God, as they have given this time, put it aside for you, oh God, let them leave this place changed. Uh, prepare our hearts, God, for the remainder of the week and open our hearts to the gospel this morning. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So first of all, let's look at this chapter because this chapter is what is known as the great love chapter in the Bible. This is where the apostle Paul is breaking down the subject of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. We'll read these eight verses. Though I speak with the tongues of angels and men, but yet do not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. As though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and yet I have all faith that I could remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the poor... And though I give my body to be burned, uh, but yet I do not love, then it profits me nothing. Verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It, does, it is not puffed up. Um, does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, love hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. This is the same chapter that is linked to our Launchpad verse of Scripture, how the Apostle Paul can go into uh, uh, talking about the issue of love um, and then changing direction and going into a completely different direction, but yet there is still a connection. It's not that he's being bipolar. He's actually going from one topic to the other. We could have put a chapter break right in the middle of that. Um, but yet he's talking about the topic of love. Um, and then he goes into what is um, our Launchpad scripture. So let me read the Launchpad again um, with the mindset of love um, enduring all things. Let's read it one more time. But now with the context of love. Um, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. And that which is perfect will come. And that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child and I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, but then face to face. For now I know in part, but then I will know just as I also am known. Paul is speaking about the power of love, uh, but then he starts to illustrate the issue of the now and then. I so appreciated Pastor Ruby's sermon um, on Monday night where he was talking about getting caught up uh, in the moment. He was getting caught, you know, people get caught up in the here and now. Uh, they make a, a crazy dumb decision just right off the moment. They're frustrated. Ah, and they snap uh, and point and all of a sudden uh, they've done something out of the heat of the moment uh, and yet this is the idea here is the Apostle Paul is trying to get them to understand, listen, uh, there is a now and then there is a then there is a here and then there is a time that is coming the scripture is talking about today uh, i see myself in a mirror i'm looking dimly in this glass uh, but one day i am going to see face to face he is talking uh, about god and his glory talking even about his new manifestation uh, and his new transformation he says now today i know only in part because today we can only see what's on this side of heaven Today, we can't see eternity. Eternity is but a vision. But one day, we'll be bathed and clothed in eternity. But now, it is just an, a thought. It is something that is far off. Uh, and the Apostle Paul is saying, look, right now, I can only see myself in a mirror. But one day, I'm going to stand face to face with God. Uh, today, I can only know a little bit of prophecy. I can only know a little bit of what God is doing. I can only take step by step. Uh, but one day, I am going to see myself as God sees me. I'm going to see myself as the saint he has made me. 
he uses the word perfect to illustrate a time when things will be finished. He's trying to portray the here and now versus the there and then, where so many people are just caught up in the here and now. Uh, this is why people will just uh, uh, work all day long and never go to church because they're focused on the now. Why do I have to work more overtime? Because I need more money now. And yet the preacher comes in and tries to say, no, 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 it's not about the now, brother. Uh, it's not about the now. Uh, hold the tongue. Tighten the wallet. Uh, straighten up a little bit. Uh, there is a then that is coming. Uh, and we are living for that day. Uh, and we can't be distracted as Pastor Mitchell so gloriously preached last night. Thank God that he hasn't left us how we were. I don't know about you, but I'm still a construction project. Thank God that he doesn't just leave us in our sins and our curses. He breaks them and brings restoration. Everything that God created, church, he created it in fullness. We know that. He didn't leave anything halfway done. The evolutionists believe that. We don't believe that this morning. We believe everything that creation ever needed, uh, God made in the first six days and took a rest on the seventh. Uh, and we understand God's like, hey, no, I got the ability. I'm going to make everything all at once. And all that it's ever going to need in creation is going to have been produced and made right off the bat. Because God is not a God that leaves things unfinished. He is a God that brings things to completion. Can I tell you, if you've ever thought God hasn't finished something in your life, uh, it is not because God has failed. Uh, it is because you and I, there is something in the human heart uh, that loves to start but never finish. Oh, come on now. Now, I'm going to get some witnesses this morning. Where my brother Nur at? He said he was going to give me a witness if I told the truth. <laughs> you should have got on that keyboard last night and helped my brother when he was trying to get that. <laughs> I know you know, brother. Come on now. I needed a witness last night. <laughs> but here the Apostle Paul, he's got to remind the church that God is going to complete them. Can you imagine? I don't know if we have any uh, discouraged Christians here this morning. But you can feel like sometimes, man, things are not going the way you planned or wanted them to. Uh, there's frustrations. We have uh, missionaries that are trying to get overseas. Uh, and there's been these hindrances. These oppositions, and I can just imagine it's weighing them down. It's like, I, I know I need to get there, but somehow I can't. For some reason, there is something blocking me. Let me tell you, preacher, missionary. Listen, if God has called it to be, it is going to come to completion. And we can lose sight of this, though. Philippians 1.6, be confident of this very thing. That he, God, capital H, who has begun a good work in you, is going to complete it uh, until the day of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by the grace of God, you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest anybody should boast. Um, for we are his workmanship. Capital H, we belong to God. We are not supposed to look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. Uh, we don't win the world by becoming like the world. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Paul understood something about God and his people. And he's into finishing what he started. There's a catch to this. Because even though God is into finishing, there's a problem. People are not into finishing. For the human heart and the flesh of man, completion is not guaranteed. How can a faithful God complete a job with an unfaithful person? How can a God who is always about the things of God complete his will with the people who are only half in sometimes? 
that maybe last year you felt called and this year, no, I'm not called anymore. Well, God still says I'm still about this world. Oh yeah, but I'm not because I change. You don't. We, uh, we think that God changed his mind. Well, maybe God has a different calling now. Maybe God uh, is somehow different. Maybe God has somehow switched and we have to be reminded. Uh, like, no, no, no. What's happened is you're caught up in the now. And your excuse for being caught up in the now is blaming God. That somehow God changed. You and I are the opposite of finishing things. I don't know about you, but in my ministry, I've had to be many times pushed into finishing things. Pushed. Come on, Gabe, Gabe, come on now. Gabe, you said you were going to paint that backstage black, Gabe. Okay, I know, but uh, it was just, I just wanted to be nice, Pastor. I wanted to do something nice. I didn't really think I was going to have to finish or start. It was just a thought. I can't imagine how many, how many, uh, how many um, times I went to Pastor Ruby with a brand new ministry I wanted to begin. Right? Anybody ever done that? You go, hey, Pastor, I got this, you know, especially door directors. Uh, they come up with all the glorious ideas of uh, what the church needs, right? And they got, hey, Pastor, I got all the answers right now. Uh, this is what our church needs. Um, and so I went to Pastor many times, and I've come up to him with many ideas of my many uh, genius schemes of outreaches. And, <laughs> and so Pastor would say, okay, great. I was like, Pastor, I need some flyers. I need some uh, clientele. I need some warriors. Uh, I, need, I, need to get, I need to put some advertisement out there. I need an Instagram account. Uh, and so, you know... Uh, <laughs> But, but pastor's like, okay, well, you know what? Slow down, slow down. Because I'm so caught up in the now, man. So pastor would have to slow me and say, hey, you know what? Just go do that ministry for a couple of months and then let me know. It's been about eight years and I still haven't come back with that ministry. Uh, none of y'all though. All y'all completed all y'all things. I'm just talking about me. How many guys, man, have started a project and haven't been able to finish it? I just hear the women. I just, oh, hey, oh, hey, man, preacher pastor. I got tools in my garage I'm supposed to start a business with. Babe, I need this tool because I'm going to do this. Uh, start a table building company. I ain't broken those tools open, man. They're just sitting there. Can I tell you, man? Wait, hold on, ladies. Y'all ain't off the hook. Y'all ain't off the hook this morning. I know. Can I get a witness? I, I, I will bet my maple donut this morning that somewhere out there, somewhere out there, there is a woman who bought a fall decoration last year. And this year refound it and thought I never used it. Unfinished decor. I know there's at least one because I'm married to her. Hallelujah. Now we can't use it because it was so 2020. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. you know hey man i was i knew i shouldn't have did that one I <laughs> got caught up in the now mm -hmm. You know, we would all, all agree by default that we're all sinners, right? I mean, I, I was talking to my church about this recently. I'm like, you know, how many people agree like, hey, you know, I'm a sinner and we all raise our hand. Uh, you know, and how many people would say, man, God saved me. For, and I still have sins that I'm working out. Uh, and there are things in me that God has to work out. Uh, and we would all agree, you know what, we're sinners. But, but if you're honest, we don't, really, we don't really acknowledge that. We acknowledge that because we know it would be self-righteous to say I'm not a sinner. 
But that's why we say, well, of course I'm a sinner, but really we both know that I'm really not like that type of sinner. Oh, yeah, that's just the reality of all. We all just, how many, raise your hand if you're a sinner in this place. Who wants to come up here and testify of all your sins? Hold on, we slow down. Part of us becoming a completed project, part of Jesus Christ um, finishing in us something that he started uh, means it's going to declare or demand a very, very deep sense um, of self-analysis. That we're going to have to observe ourselves. This is why I appreciate the Apostle Paul saying, now at least I see my reflection dimly in a mirror. That I look to myself. Tonight, I, I am able to see some glimpse um, of what I am. We use the Bible to expose our hearts. Uh, and yet God, if he is going to finish uh, the things that he has started, listen, we are never going to be completed on this side of heaven. That we think that just because uh, we stop doing some drinking or some smoking uh, and we stop cussing and we stop going to the clubs, uh, that somehow we are arriving, we are being completed and we're getting to that level. We're getting to that, hey, you know what, man, I am different. You look at me today, uh, I'm in ministry, I'm dressing up, uh, I talk better and gooder uh, and I am now different. Uh, and you know, and you think about this church, uh, that there are things in us that still have to be worked out, but there are things so deep inside of us, so beneath the surface. Uh, it is so difficult for God to get out of us because nobody else can see it. For God to bring us to a completed project, we have to realize there is a subtle hindrance called self-righteousness. Now, whenever you say the word self-righteousness, immediately it comes out as a judgment. Immediately it comes out, oh, like he's talking about self-righteousness where people just think they're better than everybody else. Um, I, I don't want to look at self-righteousness at that angle, though, this morning. Because I believe it's deeper. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one. On the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. You see, you think about this. We have a hard time seeing our flaws. We can all admit others can see our flaws, but we have a hard time seeing ours, right? It's very difficult to, for God to, to deal with issues in our hearts that we don't agree or know that we have. Think about that. 
How can we deal with things that we don't even know are there? I could ask every wife in here, can you name five flaws in your husband? You could ask the husband, can you see five flaws in yourself? You'll need about two weeks and a week of fasting uh, to figure out if there's anything wrong with him. I can't figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. I tried that in my church. My guys were stumped. Like, I don't think there's nothing wrong with me. That, that question is not from God, you know, because I, well, come on, it's me. But when God finally gets there, oh, it is a hard fall. It is a hard fall when you finally see yourself as God sees you. And when we think we've arrived because we've done all these little things and these little good changes, uh, and all of a sudden God shows you who you really are, can I tell you, uh, it, it is the hardest fall of our life. Because he is dealing with self, not in the self-righteous sense that you think you're better than everybody else. It's just the fact that you didn't think there was anything wrong with you. We all know of the Apostle Peter. See, we have a hard time seeing things in us that need to be changed, need to be transformed or fixed. We serve God and we begin to grow, we begin to mature. We get some ministry, we get some recognition, and yet we somehow think that, hey, you know what, man, there's nothing really left I need to really deal with. When do we, so if there's nothing else to deal with, then guess what? We're completed projects then. Then we're 100%. That, hey, Jesus, you know what? When I go to heaven, you might as well just take me as I am and just, bam, I don't even need a new glorious body. I'm already completed. <laughs> but here's the truth, church. We are never complete. We are not going to be complete until that day that we stand before God face to face. We're all aware, church, of Peter's fall. We know that Peter was probably one of the most loyal disciples of all the disciples. We know that he was one of the first to follow Christ. He was one of the three on the Mount Transfiguration. He saw Jesus. He saw him talking to Moses, Elijah. He, he would have walked on water. He would have said, uh, Jesus, I will never forsake you, though I'll forsake you. Jesus, I love you so much, you're not going to the cross. Chops Malchus' ear off when he tried to put his hands on Jesus. Did you want to talk about a loyal disciple, man? Peter was it. And yet Peter was the one that fell the hardest out of all of them. See, we often attribute P Peter's fall to his pride and say, oh, well, Peter was a man of pride and shooting off at the lip. And we can call out all of his sins. Uh, but I declare to you this morning, what if Peter's uh, fall wasn't necessarily his pride, uh, but what if it was his loyalty? What if it was Peter's loyalty? The fact that he was too close to Jesus that made him feel like he could betray him. See, we don't look at Peter and think, oh, you were just so sinful, Peter. Oh, Peter, you were never all in for Jesus. Oh, Peter, uh, you were always a hypocrite. No, no, we wouldn't attribute those things to Peter. No, Peter, man, Peter was the, the guy. He was one of the, he was the, one of the number ones. Right there with Jesus, man, ready to die with Jesus. And yet, Jesus kept trying to warn him. Peter, no, Peter, don't get thee behind me, Satan. You get thee behind me. You are not about the things of God. You are about, about the things of man. No, you're not going to go to the cross. Get thee behind me. Though all forsake you, I will never forsake you. Uh, you do not know, Peter. I'm ready to go to the death with you. 
Peter, no, you don't know. Look, you love me so much. You're so loyal. You're blind to your own sin. Your love for me, your loyalty to me is blinding you to something inside of you. And he loved Jesus so much, he didn't even realize um, he was coming to a moment in his time where he was about to have this rude awakening. That's what loyalty can do. See, here he is. He's just, he's all in for Jesus. He's all in. Huh? And yet, Jesus, he finally, Jesus just hits him with it. Let me tell you something, Peter. For the rooster crows, man, you're going to have denied me three times. I'm just going to tell you straight out. You're going to weep. You're going to be hurt. Uh, you're all, you love me so much, uh, but I see something in you. In fact, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. Oh, it's because he wants to find out all of Peter's sins. I don't think so. I think he was suddenly going to find that loyalty was going to be what ensnared him, tricked him. You know, the ones who hit the ground the hardest, the ones who never thought they could fall. The ones who are, I'm so loyal to my fellowship. There's no way I'll fall. I'm so loyal to my pastor. There's no way that I could ever turn my back on him. Uh, I'm so loyal to this fellowship. Uh, I'm so loyal to our inheritance. Uh, I'm so loyal to the calling, uh, to the mission field. I am so determined to, to do this will of God. Uh, there is nothing in me that's ever, ever going to make me turn my back on this. Uh, and yet uh, to find out that when that temptation comes, uh, that loyalty came to nothing. All the warnings of Jesus had absolutely no impact. But after Peter fell, that's when he saw Jesus. You know what's interesting? Jesus was constantly rebuking him, right? Some of us are like that. Or all remember Peter's. And yet Peter never got it. Jesus is telling him, Peter this, Peter this, Peter that. Peter, oh. whatever, Jesus, I got your back, Jesus. I'm all in, man. Peter, no, Peter, listen. You're not listening, Peter. No, 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 no. Matthew 26, 74 through 75. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so he went out and wept bitterly. But then I'm going to take it. I'm going to just go into one more scripture. The other, the, the Luke's version of it, 2260 through 62. There's an additional part in here that is left out in Matthew. And Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. With all the things that Jesus was telling him, he wasn't getting it. And here he is denying Jesus, doing the thing he never thought he would do. And it doesn't say Jesus says anything to him this time. He just looks at him. He's in chains, shackles. He doesn't say, see, Peter, Peter, see, I told you that you were going to deny me. The, 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 the rooster's crowing. I told you, remember? He doesn't say any of that. He just looks at him. Bloody, beaten, spat on, mocked, slapped around, blindfolded. Takes a look at Peter. Peter just, all it took was that look, that face-to-face -face encounter that made Peter finally hear everything he could never hear. All the words began to replay in his head. And it says uh, that it took him back to the day when Jesus said, before that rooster crows, you're going to deny me. And all it took was that look. Uh, that timing and that look uh, can do a masterful thing. Do something that we can't do. Uh, preachers can't do. Pastors can't do. Uh, sometimes a face-to-face -face encounter with themselves um, or with the living God is all that they need uh, to finally remember and see, man, dude, I am wrong. I am wicked. And I need salvation. 
All those other times, Jesus' words fell to the ground. But this time they didn't. You see, when you see Jesus face to face, there's no more words needed. Now, we know on this earth, we can't see Jesus physically face to face. But one day we will. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 10. The Bible says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. When that which is perfect has come, then all that is in part is going to go away. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror. Now we see in a mirror. But then we're going to see face to face. Now I know only a little bit in part. But one day all those partial knowledges are going to go away. And I'm going to know myself just as I also am known. I believe he's talking about his own wickedness. His own sinfulness. But he's also going to have a revelation of the glorious resurrection of the body. He's going to see himself. Yes, God's going to show him who he was as a sinner. But he's also going to see the glorious transformation, man, because um, we are not going to be the same. First John 3, 2, beloved, now we are children of God. Today, on this side, at this moment, he's not saying that we've arrived to be children of God. He's saying we are only children of God because it has not yet been revealed what we are going to be. In other words, now we're children of God. That's great. We're involved in the things of God. That's great. But one day we are going to be something else and we can't even imagine it yet. And he goes, but we are going to know when God is revealed, we are going to be like him, for we are going to see him as he is. It's possible, man, that we go and we see God and we see, it's not even going to be our reflection. We're just going to see him and we're going to be glorified in this body as he was glorified when he died and went to heaven. And we're going to be like him and we're going to see him as he is. We're going to know us as we were. But it is going to be a great reunion because we're not even going to see us. We're going to see him only. I wait for that day. To be like God. Listen, to be like God doesn't mean we're divine like God. In fact, if anybody tries to be like God on earth, there's something else going on. That was the very beginning. That was one of the, the first temptations. Uh, listen, partake of this fruit. You'll be as God. There are whole religions based on being a God. You can be God. I feel sorry for your people. See, when we come face to face with our Savior, it's going to be a glorious day because we're finally going to be a completed project. Now, I was thinking of the issue of coming face to face with God. And, you know, three years ago, when we first went to, when we got called, we went to Houston. Uh, my father-in-law had came with us. He was, um, he was going through some heart transplant, um, kind of some procedures he was having to uh, get ready. And so I, I shared this story with some people about uh, just the miracle and that. I have to share that another time. Um, but, you know, interestingly, I was talking to my mother-in-law just this past weekend and it's already been about three years, going on three years since he had his heart transplant. And so after the first year, he's, a, he's probably up in his early 60s. I think he's about 63, maybe 64. And uh, the donor of his heart was an 18-year-old young man who lost his life. I, wanted, I was considering showing the picture. I was going to ask for permission. But in the, in, in the realm of media fingers, I just decided to protect the privacy of the family. But my mother-in-law had showed me the picture she goes, look at this young man. And she goes, this is, it, it was his heart. And I was looking at that picture. And, and, and she said, when we looked at that picture, I mean, they just wanted to cry because they literally had a revelation that this is the person who lost his life so he can live inside of him. 
Like his heart is actually beating in my father-in-law. It's probably why my father-in-law is reversing in age. I mean, he's looking good. Lost weight. But as he's there, he's looking at this, and they were just like, it's so surreal just to, to, to see the face of the one that put life in me. One day, man, we're going to stand before God. We're going to see his face. And we're going to know it was never our life. It was never our calling. It was never our thing. It was never our idea. It was never our spirit. It was never our revelation. It was never our decision. When you see him face to face, church, listen, you're going to realize uh, that when you stand face to face with God, uh, it's all going to make sense what he was doing on this earth. Uh, when he was doing something, when Pastor Ruby preaches uh, not to get so caught up in the here and the now, uh, that is meant to make you think uh, of eternity. How many people are going to stand before God uh, and say, man, God, your life was in me. Your heart was pumping in me. You were pumping my heart for the nations. You were calling me to do something. Uh, I felt you. I knew you. I answered this all you spoke to me I was convicted I was in tears and now you stand face to face saying I never went I never did it and God's like but didn't I put my life in you then I take out that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh didn't I tell these dead bones to rise again? Didn't I command you to go into all the world? And you're going to say yes. And can you imagine looking into the eyes of the God that, that are like flames of fire and having to give an account? Maybe you came to conference saying, ah, oh, you know what, Pastor, this isn't working. I've heard a few times the, the phrase, I'm done. Right? Some, some, we've heard it a couple times. I'm done, I'm done. I confess I've made those claims before as well. Probably more than we know, right? We're done. We're done. Well, wait a second. God's like, hold on. You don't have the right to disqualify yourself. That is, that, that is one of the lamest things in the world. Can you, it's, like a, it's like a football player disqualifying himself. I quit. I'm not playing no more. I didn't get my contract. I didn't get the, you said you were going to give me, I'm just going to, no, no, I'm not going to play. No, you got to play, LeBron. You got to play. <laughs> I'm not going to play. But wait a second. You don't have the right to disqualify yourself. We disqualify ourselves, not God. And we let the devil do it to us. Like, wait a second. What are we, man? If we disqualify ourselves, God's like, no, no. Listen, you had the calling. You had the church behind you. There was finances behind you. I had supplied your fellowship all the resources they needed. They just needed the man. And you were that man. I was dealing with you. I gave you everything you needed. And yet you disqualified yourself. Why? What makes you think you have the right to do that? I'll tell you what. Because you're loyal. Because I'm loyal, man. I can do things other people can't. You know how long I've been in this church? You know how long I've been in this fellowship? Uh, you know how many years I've been saved? Uh, you know, you know how many places I've been? Uh, you know what? Nah, this just isn't for me. And God's like, wait, hold on a second. Just because uh, you think you have the right to take yourself out, uh, God could be telling you today you don't. Maybe you came here thinking you were going to throw in the towel on your city. And God says, oh, no, wait a second. You go back. Uh, you're not done. I'm not taking you out of the game yet. Some people just want to be taken out of the game. Take me out, coach. You got some say, put me in, <laughs> right? <laughs> At boot camp, you got some kids, I'll go in, some kids, <laughs> I can't, I can't. 
Some would just want to go in. I'm going to tell you what, man. When we stand before God face to face, the ones that have touched the world are the ones that said, put me in. That I'm not going to take myself out. I'm not uh, going to disqualify myself from this. You might have came to this conference and with all these thoughts and these uh, and kind of, uh, what, you know, what you decided you were going to do and how you were going to, to word it to pastor. So it sounds spiritual. At the end of the day, it's just disqualification. Now it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm vexed. I'm upset. I'm hurt. There's violations. There's all kinds of things going on. And, 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 and if God can just tell you, listen, you can't do that to yourself. You can't do that to your church. You can't do that to your city. When I was going to Houston, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was talking to Pastor Ruby about it. And, you know, I, I you know, I, I, Pastor just, he just, at the end of the day, he just simply told me this. The people are the city. The people are the city. You know, so, it's, you know, you can forget, you can look at a city and say, this is a city. But forget what makes that city up is not the buildings, not the money. What makes that city up is the people. That we go into cities to find people. And the devil disqualifies you and makes you disqualify yourself. Why? Because he knows if you don't go, you don't reach people. You can't find the ones that need to be found. You might have come to this conference and figured out, you know what? You might have came thinking you were looking for other things and find out you're just going to find yourself. You might find your calling again. That's why we challenge people to come. You hear about that guy in Turkey. He was about 53 years old, went to go have some drinks. Got lost in the woods. They put out a search party for this guy. He comes out and he starts looking for, for somebody with them. <laughs> hey, buddy, buddy, where you at, buddy? buddy? Hey, who are we looking for? I don't know, some guy named Motley or something. Motley, I'm Motley. For two hours, I've been looking for myself. Well, well here I am. All right, search me. I'm just killing time now. I got five minutes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just. <laughs> no, it's a part of my notes. Calm down. <laughs> one of my prayers, one of my prayers is that we have people come to conference. And I was telling my church, you got to go to conference because you don't know what you don't know until you learn it. You could think you had it all figured out, man. And then God just says, oh, okay, well, let me go ahead and take you to that next level. That's what conference does. Dad, why do you think every conference is the best conference? You ever notice that, that, that phenomenon? Every conference is the best. I know yours wasn't. Mine was the best. No, they said mine was the best. And so, no, they're the best because they're recent and they're in the now and they're what we need at that day and time. And you might have come thinking, hey, you know what? Uh, I already have these plans or I'm going to tell pastor this uh, or, you know, I'm maybe just going to come to fellowship and see some brethren. But, oh, to find out that you came uh, and God was able to reveal some things to you uh, and you come looking for one thing and you find your calling. Um, you find your purpose again. Uh, God can renew that zeal and say, no, I'm going to go back uh, into my city and do something for God. And next year we're bringing more people. And after that, we're going to plant out some churches uh, and after that we're going to do this uh, this is what we got to do church we can't disqualify ourselves hallelujah amen that's all i have this morning praise thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the virginia beach potter's house church 
Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.